0: Is there a desire in you to not just attend Revival, but live in Revival? Welcome to the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Saldivar. I've been in Revival for the last 10 years, as well as traveling and being a part of many Revivals throughout the United States. I'm going to be sharing with you how to live a radical lifestyle of Revival on a daily basis. Please help me welcome on TJ Malkonji. TJ, how you doing, bro? I'm
1: excited to be back on. Awesome, man.
0: Hey, I'm glad we're here. Listen guys. We had technical difficulties last week, but we come against that in Jesus name tonight We will not have any technical difficulties It's gonna be an amazing night the topic we're gonna be talking about tonight as much anticipated is Signs it's time to leave your church TJ. We know that this is a touchy topic We know that pastors are squirming right now going. What are they gonna say? But listen if you're living right, if you're walking right, if you're following God the way the Bible says to you, if you're preaching the word strong, we're not going to be negative. We're for the church. We're both involved in local churches. I've seen your pastor for 10 years. I love the local church. We've both given our lives to the local church. So this is not going to be a bride bashing. We're going to bash the local church because we absolutely love the local church and we know all the emotions involved in leaving a church okay let me just say this I want to throw this out there TJ before we jump into uh reasons and different things like that no church is perfect so if you think and you're like oh my church isn't perfect no church is perfect and if your church was perfect when you got there it was no longer perfect so we're not looking for a perfect church amen we are looking for a biblical church we want to find a church that follows what scripture says and these are the things tonight we're going to talk about we both feel Are just non-negotiable these are good enough reasons we're not going to be petty okay in fact we're going to show some of you how petty you are but we just feel these are real reasons why you should find a new church the the taboo is there's like this unspoken rule and tj you know this is true where you're not supposed to tell people to leave their church like and i don't know why i don't i can't find a verse in the bible that says stay in a dead church i can't find a verse in the bible that says raise your kids in a graveyard i can't find a verse in the bible that says raise your family in a funeral home and some of you Because of tradition because you've been there for years because it's all you know you've been in a church and you've produced nothing they produce nothing and you're you're just dying so there yes it is time for some of you to find a new church it is time for some of you to go find somewhere where there's life where there's passion where there's power where the move of god is happening and by the grace of God and by scripture we're going to give you some of those reasons so I know it's touchy I know there's emotions involved if you're a pastor don't be stressed out don't be all these guys are against the church because they're online we're both in local churches we're both pastors to a capacity in our local churches and we travel we love the church more than anything and this is not going to be a rant or a bash of the church but there is some dangerous practices we're seeing TJ you want to intro this at all give some of your thoughts on leaving the church and what do you maybe some warnings to us before we jump in
1: yeah, well, there, like you said, there's no scripture that says that, you, you know, like you said, that we shouldn't leave the local, that you shouldn't leave a church if they're doing things unbiblically. Matter of fact, there are scriptures that tell you you should leave the church mm. or a local church if they're doing things unbiblically. Uh, when Paul writes to Timothy, he says in the last days that there's going to be difficult times that come. And it says there's going to be places that they hold to a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. And then if you finish that verse, it says... From such people you should turn away. So Paul constantly says, these are the people you should turn away from. And he's not just talking about individuals, but even full bodies of people that you should turn away from. And like Isaiah said, we're not getting into petty things like the lights don't uh, light up the way we like them to. They don't flicker. The music's not quite our taste. or You know, all those petty things that people that are not mature believers end up leaving good Bible churches because of. You know, they have the presence of God, they, they steward the presence of God, but because of something very carnal, it throws them off. And we're not talking about those things. We're talking about very fundamental problems that can be in churches and that are in many churches. You know, the Bible says, Paul talking to Timothy, he says, in the last days, men will give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. And he's not talking. When Paul wrote that letter, he wasn't talking to an unbeliever. He was talking to Timothy, a pastor. And he was saying, So, Timothy, be watchful in all these things. Be watchful, be on the alert. Peter says, Be sober minded. And always be on the alert for your adversary, the devil, is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I'm telling you, there are churches, and I can only speak for the Western church, because that's where I live and we live. But there are churches in the Western part of this world that are literally uh, wolves in sheep's clothing. Clothing. They're not even. They don't have the right spirit. They don't have the Holy Ghost. They don't have a right heart. They're literally Uh, You know how the Bible says Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. I saw a guy get on Instagram the other day and talk about how the Bible's a... He's a pastor, an archbishop in a big movement, the biggest, um, one of the biggest Pentecostal movements in all of North America. He is an archbishop and he was on a a live stream with a a so-called prophet and they started to talk about how the Bible was racist. And it was written by white people to keep black people oppressed and stuff. And I'm like, what are you even talking? These are archbishops. These are not unbelievers or new age guys trying to steer people away from the scripture. These are people who have level of influence. And so what we, why we did this and why we felt it necessary to do this is because I, I want you as an individual to reach your full potential in Christ. I want you to hit the top. I want you To not be one of those people that on Judgment Day God has to wipe away the tears off your eyes because you missed it so hard. You were totally off off the racks. You were off the track, off the path of God. I want you to be able, when all is said and done, God say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You didn't miss one assignment. You hit it all. You put your hand to the plow and you moved. You built your life upon my rock, the word of God. And though the rain fell and though the winds blew and though the waves beat against the house, you didn't. Because you were founded in a biblical, scripture-based house of God. And that's our prayer tonight. That's absolutely our prayer
0: so good and i always want to add to that the bible says people look for teachers that will tell them what their itching ears want to hear so there's two sides to it and we want to make this very clear it's not only the churches and the pastors that are preaching as tj just said a false gospel a false word and we've both preached in hundreds of churches we know this to be the case the church is sleeping right now in this hour but it's also people that will look They will look for teachers that will massage their ears, will rub their ears, will give them a a massage instead of a message, and will tell them what they want to hear. And your flesh wants to hear about your best life now. Your flesh does not want to hear about sin. It does not want to hear about hell. It does not want to hear about holiness. It does not want to hear about walking the straight and narrow path. It does not want to hear about walking in persecution. It wants to hear, just live however you want, live for yourself, do whatever you want let's enhance your life here on earth you're not a citizen of heaven you just get a better job and a better career and a better this and a better that so there also are people in this broadcast you're actually looking for a bad church you're actually looking for a place you know paul says they happily this blows my mind tj he says they happily put up with what these people teach even if they teach a different jesus a different gospel or a different spirit so it's not like they're like mad that these people are preaching false you sit in your church and you listen to a watered-down, easy, lukewarm, dead gospel, and you're actually happy about it. You're like, well, the kids' grew, the kids, uh, ministry is great. They have great donuts. They have a great this. And they have these mega churches that are not preaching the word, and everybody's happy. And they're like, man, this is amazing. And Paul says, you happily put up with it. So my goal is to make you no longer, oh, I feel the Holy Spirit, no longer happy with dead, dry, McDonald's, Compromise, Baskin Robbins, Hometown Buffet, Jesus, that says live however you want, pray some prayer, and then you can just go to heaven one day. Friend, this is a Monday through Sunday, every single day lifestyle. We don't call this revival lifestyle as a joke. It's not an event, it's a everyday thing. And so that's what the church is. It's It's a ecclesia, a people group that have been brought out of darkness. Now we know the church is not a building. We know the church is not an establishment we know the church is not a 501 c3 corporation we know that the church is a living organism that god has placed in the earth to be the change agent and and here's the thing and we're just going to preach tonight god doesn't have a plan b god's not like well you know i have the church there if that works out and if they're just too messed up here's my plan b like we are the church of jesus christ is god's plan to a broken humanity we are the ambassadors we are the army we are the ones that the gates of hell will not prevail against so before we give you reasons we're going to tag team reasons why you should leave a church and i hope you're taking notes because this could be the difference between you fulfilling your destiny or not we're going to give before we do that don't stress out here pastors We're gonna give important reasons why you should be a part of a church. Oh, that's good, because TJ, we know. We both run online ministries. There's a lot of people like, I don't need to go to church. I am the church. And first of all, you're not the church. We are the church, okay? So you're not like, I'm the church. You're not the church. We're the church. It's not a church unless we're together. So when we become the church, the Bible says we are the body of Christ. It's not just by yourself in your room. Now, I'm not gonna start going into you can't have online. I'm not going into all that, because I believe there's a place for that. And some of you physically can't even go to a church, or maybe there's no churches that are alive in an hour radius and you consider this your church praise the Lord I hope you're praying I hope you're fasting I hope you have other believers around you but let me give you some good reasons and then uh I don't know if TJ you want me to give them and then we could tag team each one or um we could tag team this whatever you want to do but let me just give you guys reason number one why okay don't get mad here all, all my online warriors why you should be a part of a church is to hear the word of God preached the book of hebrews says that the word of god is quick it's powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword and something powerful happens when you sit and hear the word of God preached and and here's why the enemy is preaching to you all week long friend you know that the culture preaches the devil preaches the news preaches TikTok preaches governors preach celebrities preach everybody is preaching something to you whether it's through your TV your smartphone the media you're getting information all week long from somebody and when you're able to come on Sunday or Saturday or whatever day you go to church and sit down and hear the word of God preach there is transforming power here's what Paul said in 1st Thessalonians 2 13. he said I also thank God continually for you he's talking to the church he says when you receive the word of God which you heard from us so Paul says I came to you with the word to the church listen to what Paul says you accepted it not as a human word look at this but actually as the word of God which indeed it is and it works in you that believe so he said when I came to preach to you you accepted it as the very word of God in other words when I go to my church I'm not sitting there going like whoa let's see if I like this I'm receiving from the pastor as if God is speaking directly to me if you don't feel that way about your pastor that's already a good sign you probably shouldn't be there if you've lost respect to that point for your pastor where you're like I don't really feel like this is God speaking to me then maybe it is time to move on but I really do believe when my pastor's preaching when other pastors or leaders are preaching I'm listening going God is speaking to me today. So I would say a major reason why you should be involved in the church, be a part of the church, 2 Timothy 4.2. Apostle Paul reveals the importance of preaching. He tells Timothy in his last warning to Timothy, preach the word, be urgent in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort, and all long suffering in doctrine. So this is Paul's command to Timothy preach the word and that's what happens when we go to church and gather together the word of God is preached and if you're getting kicked off of YouTube just refresh a bunch of people got kicked off come back when the word of God is preached there's transforming power to heal transforming power to deliver transforming power to save lives are transformed some of you come to these meetings or you go to church and you're like I didn't even feel like I got anything but as the word of God was preached things strongholds were breaking you were getting deliverance. You were getting healing. T.J., you've heard this. I've heard this. Man, as you were preaching, I got delivered. As you were preaching, I got healed. As you were preaching, I felt th- I felt this desire to repay. As you were preaching, something changed in me. So there's supernatural transforming power while the word of God is preached. T.J., give us another reason why you should go to church and be a part of a church.
1: Well, because the church is God's institution on planet Earth to get God's will done on planet Earth. Come on. You know, heaven's assignment is not going to be fulfilled by angels. The Great Commission is not the Great Commission to angels. It's to the body of Christ. And everyone has to be on board for that thing to to flow as it ought to flow. The reason why the book of Acts is so loaded with the supernatural manifestations of the gifts of the Holy Spirit and miracles, signs and wonders and the dead raising and demons being cast out of people is because Acts chapter 2, the end of that says the disciples were all together in one accord. And they would come daily. I mean, some people are having a hard time going to church weekly. Come on, The early church did it daily. And if we want what the early church had, we're not going to... You know, the Bible says that in the last days, the temptation is going to be people are going to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as is the habit of some. But he says, the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 10.25, we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as is the habit of some, but as you see the day of the Lord approaching, we should do it all the more. Hebrews, he's writing to the people who are already meeting daily. How could you meet all the more? He's like saying you guys should meet three times daily. You guys should meet double, twice daily. You know, and then there's people who have a hard time, you know, every every week. You're telling me, I'll go once a month. And then you have the Christmas Easter Christians, the Christers. They come, come twice on. a year. And then you they expect that their life, their lives would be, you know, I give God one, one week a month or one week a year or whatever. And you expect everything to be lined up. My brother and sister, it ain't like that. The Bible says those who have planted their feet in the house of God. They will flourish in the courts of our Lord. You have to be planted. And you study the book of Acts. They were daily meeting. The Bible says they went to the hour of prayer. In Acts chapter 3, they were constantly assembling together. When Peter and John got beat up in Acts chapter 4, right after having suffered persecution, they went to their own company and they had another prayer meeting. They were constantly together. No wonder there was such an explosion Come of on. the supernatural in their lives and in their ministries. No wonder Peter's shadow was healing people. No wonder in Acts chapter. Uh, 6 the Bible talks about Stephen who was just a deacon in the church he wasn't even a preacher he wasn't even an apostle prophet evangelist pastor a teacher he was just a He just served tables on Sunday morning and the Bible says he was a a man full of faith and power who did great signs and wonders amongst the people you want to know why because Psalm 133 tells us the secret. The Bible says, how pleasant is it for the brothers come on. and sisters to dwell together in unity. It is like the oil that is poured out on Aaron's beard that ran down to his his garments, even to the ends of his garments. And oil is symbolic of the anointing. When the people of God get together in unity, which that's what part of getting together on Sunday is to create fellowship and unity. When we come together, it actually, heaven, releases a fresh flow of oil, of Holy Ghost power on his people. You know, I get messages all the time from people that say, you know, my life's in shambles, I don't feel like living anymore, my life's a mess, and the first question, I kid you not, the first question I ask each and every one of them is what church do you attend? 98% of times, that may not be accurate, maybe higher, maybe lower, (laughs) but I'm just giving a number. 98% of times, they say, they reply, I don't go to a church, I just go online. Mm. Online is great. Isaiah myself, we're YouTube preachers. You know, we preach on YouTube, but online presence, these streams are a supplement, they're not a substitute. Come on. They are a supplement, they are not a substitute for Sunday morning. And all the pastors and so said amen. The church amen. is important. Hallelujah. Yeah, the okay, church is important here. because when we come together, you're that's where you find fulfillment. That's where you find the vision of God for your life. That's when you start walking in that power that you thought was just for the pastor. Well, pastor does it. No, it's for you too. It's for anyone that calls on the name of the Lord. But you'll never walk in the the high call that Paul talks about, the high calling of our Lord Jesus Christ if you're disconnected from his body. And I'll say this before I pass it back to Isaiah. You know, like he said before, I am the church. We don't need to go to a building. I am the church. You know, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12... That we are members of his body That's in good. particular. But he says the hand can't say to the foot, I don't have need of you. The eye can't say to the ear, hey, buzz off. The, the heart can't say to the lungs, hey, we can ride this thing without you. We don't need you. Because if you take a heart, no matter how powerful the organ is, a heart's a very, very, very uh, complex thing. But you take a heart and set it by itself and it's not connected to the rest of the body. It's It's useless. The, Jesus said John 15 who we, we just talked about the church is the body of Christ so Jesus said in John 15 I am the vine he that abides in me meaning you're plugged into my body you're not disconnected you're not isolating yourself you're, 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 you're intertwined with my body you're connected you're in fellowship with my body you'll be like a tree that begins to flourish and he said I'll prune you and you'll bear even more fruit however Whoever does not abide in me is cast away as a dead branch and it withers up it dries up and that's where I'm telling you that's where I I see 98% of people that come to me and say or uh, the people that come to me and say, I'm withered up, I'm dried up, 98% of them, they're not connected to the body of Christ. And Jesus's words prove true. They're cast away. They're dried up. They wither away and they're good for nothing, but to be cast into fire, Jesus said. So don't make that mistake. The church is important. You are not the church. You are a part of the church. And now it is high time to make sure you join hands with your local body and put in your hand to the plow of evangelism
0: so good i want to add another reason the devil goes after loners the devil preys on those that are loners that don't get with the body right. there is power in unity friend you could ask any army general any person the more numbers you have the stronger you are and the devil will go after right. you so the fact that you could participate in corporate worship you can find other godly people who will help you in your walk the i'm telling you right now the best lifelong friends you're ever going to find of any place period are going to be at your local church you're not going to find them at the bar you're not going to find them at the club you're not going to find them at some social club you're not going to find them at some some workout class the strongest most solid people you're ever going to find that will be lifelong friends you're going to find them in the house of god because we're all there for one reason and that's to lift up jesus and to exalt his name in the nations so the best place to find people now some of you single guys like i don't know why i can't come on dude i'm telling you why you can't find anybody because you're looking in the gym not in the church you shouldn't be looking in the gym you shouldn't be looking at the store looking at the mall or looking at some meetup or the club to find someone to marry you should find your husband or wife in the house of god and if you Come on if you found your husband or wife in the house of god type one in the chat i'll be the first one to go ahead and type one right here in the chat that's a great place to meet godly people how many times tj do we hear oh i can't find anybody i have no friends i'm like uh have you checked a church an on fire church in your area even if it's not on fire you can find amazing people there that will be lifelong friends lifelong people that will serve you help you uh you could exercise your gifts that's a good one and we're gonna jump into why you should leave your church we're just giving some here just before but I'll say another one and then TJ if you want to throw a quick one in there is exercising spiritual gifts the church is a great place and I know I already know before I say this all the heresy hunters are going to love to clip this and use this you know they're running out of content so we're going to give them free content here TJ but the the church is a great place to practice spiritual gifts yes practice spiritual gifts prophesy uh lay hands on the sick cast out devils the great place to start is in the church where there's not the persecution where there's not the pressure so start in your prayer meeting start in the prayer line start at the altar time the church is a great place remember the gifts of the spirit they're manifestations of the holy spirit for the profit of all that's the point of them to profit the entire church so spiritual gifts uh the church local church is a great place to exercise spiritual gifts to see deliverance to see miracles to prophesy over each other to be there to disciple people to counsel people to pour into people to baptize others to do the work Jesus has called us to do not only in the church but outside the church and I think a great place to have training wheels on is in the the local church where you can go in an iron sharpen iron build each other up strengthen each other up and practice your spiritual gifts on each other staying in unity again the devil's going to target you when you start wandering off most people i talk to that sh- backslide or struggle or attacked is the moment they left their local church the moment they left the group they were in is they start getting attacked so there are amazing churches out there being a part gives you protection any other ones you want to add before we move on tj of
1: why you should be a part of a church I mean, we're the Bible says, Paul says, we are soldiers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're in an army. I don't know if you knew this, but the moment you got born again, you enlisted into the army of God. And something that a lot, I just found this out like last year, so I won't blame you if you didn't know this. But when Jesus turned to his disciples and said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The word he used there is ecclesia. And that mm. word, it means the gathering of the called-out ones. However, in that context, in that time, I just learned this last year, ecclesia was like a military term, also. And what happened was, is whenever a nation invaded another nation, a kingdom, an empire, the Roman people invaded a nation or a people or a village or a town, they would send an ecclesia, which was a delegation of people from the invading kingdom, the invading empire, and they were charged with a task to assimilate the people to the culture of the invading empire, and they were given the resources and the tools to do it. So when Jesus said, you are my ecclesia, and I'm sending you out, what he was telling his disciples is you are the delegation of troops that I'm dispatching, and wherever you go, you're charged with an agenda to assimilate the people, not to North American culture, Canadian culture, American culture, Hollywood culture, or Kardashian culture, but to assimilate the people to kingdom culture, and I'm giving you the tools and the resources to do it. Now the Great Commission makes sense. Go ye therefore, sending you out my delegation, clothed with my authority, giving you the tools and the resources and the powers, that as you go, heal the sick. That's why Jesus said, Pray that my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He does that through his ecclesia. When we go, remember, Jesus didn't say go and just tell the people I'm alive. He said, Heal their sick, preach the kingdom. Let heaven invade the area that you enter into. Let people know the kingdom of God has come near you. And that's that's what Jesus was saying is you're part of that ecclesia. You're part of that troop. You know, you will never, this is a huge reason. Why you should plug into the church this Sunday, this coming Sunday. Come on. You will never ever fulfill God's specific plan for your life until you have subscribed. And are intentional with fulfilling his general demands. And his general demand is to be part of his body. And put your hand to the plow of evangelism. Be part of his ecclesia. Going out into the highways and the byways. Pulling people that are now in darkness into his light before it's eternally too late. You'll never find out your specific reason for living. Because God has both a general plan and a specific plan. The general plan examples of it. Holiness. Everybody's called to holiness. Righteousness. Everybody's called to righteousness. Everyone's called to evangelism. Everyone's called to speak the gospel. Those are part of his general plan. His specific plan may be you need to go to that college. You need to go and get that job. I want to start a business through you. You're called to preach. Whatever it might be specifically tailor-made for you, is actually discovered when you begin to implement his general demands and that's i'll say that that would be a major reason to get into church this weekend
0: so good and thank you to everyone from pastor mike stream the breakers all showing up in here i think there was about a thousand of you guys thanks for being here okay so reasons why to leave a church valid reasons not petty reasons these are valid reasons why You should leave a church i'll start since you just went off here and then i'll pass it to you and we're just gonna basically me and tj are gonna take turns giving valid reasons so if you're writing notes take notes i would say reason number one these are not in order of importance by the way these are just valid reasons again not order of importance is there's no transformation to be seen in the church okay if people in the church don't look visibly different that should be a good reason why you should leave your church transformation should be apparent in the people around you now not everybody needs to be transformed not everybody needs to be perfect just like you go to the gym you don't go to the gym expecting everyone to be in shape okay but if you did go to the gym and no one person that entire gym was in shape you'd probably be like what's going on in this gym what kind of classes are they offering here so because if if the word of God isn't preached with power you lose the transforming agent that brings life change in people and when you go to a church we've been to them TJ where there's no transformed lifestyles that the, basically what I'm saying is the people in the church look exactly the same as the people in the world second Corinthians 318 says and we all who with unveiled face contemplate the Lord's glory who are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the spirit so here's what Paul is saying to the church we all are being transformed into the image of the ever-increasing glory of the Lord who is the spirit our this is God's plan for us and the church if you don't know what's God's plan for my life it's to get your life to look like the image of a son like God is transforming you into the image of Christ you are called to live like Christ and to look like Christ on the earth when the word of God is being preached in a church in a healthy way now again If you go in there and there's, oh, there's a hypocrite, so I left, that's not a good reason to leave. But if no one is being transformed, if there's no lifestyle change, then there is an issue in that church. And many of these churches today, there's no contrast. They don't look any different than the world. There's no difference. They look exactly the same. Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you'll be able to test and prove what God's will is his good and pleasing perfect will so Paul is commanding us here to the church in Rome do not be like the world do not be like the culture don't culture don't ascribe to this whole fit in we have to be like the world to change them no we have to be like a greater culture that's the culture of the kingdom to change the culture of this world so I would say for me reason number one is there's no transformation to be seen? The church looks just like the world. Give us a reason, T.J., to leave to leave the church, or leave your
1: church. It would be out that door. I would have like the like the road runner, running out, leaving marks behind me with smoke flying in the air. If the church did not believe in the inspiration and the infallibility of the scriptures, come if on, the church number two. Say it. Say it. this number book,
0: two. What is it?
1: Number two, the Come church on. does not believe in the inspiration of the Holy Bible and the infallibility good. and the inerrancy of scripture. I would be so quickly leaving that church. I, if I was in church, I wouldn't even finish the service. And if I was just on the website, you know, these are also going to be good. If you're looking for a new church, these are going to help you because this is something you can go on their website. And you can find out from there, um, you know, they have like a statement of beliefs. You can find out from right from there whether they believe this Bible to be holy, inerrant, inspired, and infallible. If they don't, don't ever plug into that place. You know, this is the foundation for everything that we believe. And the Bible says in Psalm 11, 3, if the foundation be destroyed... What more can the righteous do? On. So that's why the devil, and I said it before, there is these two guys, an archbishop and a so-called prophet, who started to attack the inerrancy of scripture, and they said the Bible was a racist book written by white people to keep black people oppressed. The, two reasons why they're super ignorant on that statement. Number one, the Bible is actually what encouraged black people when they were in slavery in America to to look to god for liberty from the captivity they studied exodus they saw how god did it for the jewish people and they would they wrote songs that revolved around it and they they contended with heaven for liberty and god answered their prayers and then number two i don't understand where they got that whole Uh, white people wrote the Bible, not one white person penned any of these words. It was written by Middle Eastern people. It was written by Jewish people, by people who who were not white by any means of the word. They were Middle Eastern. They were dark skinned, some of them. They were a darker tone of skin. They were not white. This isn't a white man's religion created to suppress people. This is a a book that originated from the Middle East, from people who had been marked by God. And the scripture says in, in 1 Peter too that all scripture did not come through private interpretation but holy men of god spoke as they were moved on by the holy spirit you know when adam became a living being as god breathed on him adam Mm -hmm. became a living soul a living being that same breath was actually released on the writers of scripture to then be inspired to pen down word for word what the Holy Spirit desired for them to say and to be etched down for history. For for 2 Timothy 3.16, the Bible says all scripture. And I want you to put that down in the comment section right now. As you're listening, put all scripture down. Write down all scripture. It's not some scripture. We don't believe in partial inspiration. We're not pick and choose our favorite eight scriptures and the rest can be discarded. Because, you know, when you believe, and there are, I'm telling you, some of you might be laughing, there can't be anybody that believes in that. No, there are. Many churches, unfortunately today, have subscribed to this postmodernism idea with a relativistic truth that you can't be sure what truth is, you know, make your own truth. That's your truth. This is my truth. Isaiah, you just posted that drag queen pastor that goes around preaching like an like yeah. an evangelist drag queen pastor Ms. and just Pennycost. saying whatever they want, like you yep. quoted before. The, the, uh, the, the men that are, keeping up teachers for themselves to itch their itching ears, not even knowing that those doctrines of demons are sending people to hell because it's not founded in the Bible. If you don't make this the absolute source and final Final point of authority on anything that you see in life, you're going to be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. You're going to be a roller coaster Christian, up and down and all around, no stability, no foundation, a royal mess. That's why the Bible says that the gifts of the ministry, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, was given for what? The edifying of the saints, the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. So that we might be built up into the fullness of the stature of Jesus Christ and that we're no longer taken advantage of by demonic doctrine, tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. You know, the scripture says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And Jesus said, it's through the knowledge of the word you're set free. So what does the devil go and do? He wants to get you to doubt that this is God breathed so that if you, if like You know how Isaiah quoted in uh, 2 Thessalonians 1.3 or 2.13 where it says that I commend you Thessalonians that when you received the word you didn't receive it as the word of man but the word of God which works its power in them that believe. The devil wants you to think that this is just like every other religious book. Look, leather bounded, Koran, leather bounded, they're all leather bounded, golden trim. He wants you to make it, get you to think that it's just a natural book, that there's no supernatural aspect to the scripture. But I want to remind you and I know this has been my story i have read college textbooks i didn't get healed reading a humanities textbook i didn't get healed reading some other buddhist work i didn't get healed doing all those things i got healed when i saw in isaiah 53 that it was he jesus that bore my sickness carried my pains i wasn't even in a church i was just listening to the word preached. he sent his word and it healed them and it delivered them from all the destruction as i heard that by his stripes i was healed and that the bible says by his um that he, Jesus bore our sickness, carried our pains. As I heard that he's Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals me. As I heard that the scripture says that if we'll serve the Lord, he'll take your he'll take sickness out of your midst. When I just simply heard the word of God and I believed it. Not as Peter's thoughts that he penned down. You know, people believe that the word of God was written by godly men and that's it, that it's not inspired. It wasn't written by God, it was written by godly men. You take the supernatural out of this book and you relegate it to to all the other religious textbooks. But when you start, like I did, I saw this as God's word to me. God, as Peter might have been the vessel, but the inspiration, the thought behind it and the truth that was penned down was authored by no one else but the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus said heaven and earth will pass away. The grass will wither. The flowers will fade up. But the word of the Lord endures forever. The word of God stands forever. Not one tot or tittle will be done away until all things are fulfilled. Isaiah 55:11 So shall my word be which proceeds out of my mouth. it will never return void. Numbers 23:19. I am the Lord, I change not, nor am I a son of man that I should that I should lie. But as I have spoken, so shall it be. As I have declared, so shall it come to pass. This is a supernatural word. You can bank your life on it. And anyone that tells you otherwise, I would turn the other way, politely, maybe not even politely, if, if, if they're, not, they're, not, they're not holding up this one, this is a pretty serious one. People who don't believe in the inspiration of scripture have to be called out. And, so good. Um,
0: so good man i'm fired up i'm fired up so number two was they don't believe in inspiration of scripture number three this is going to make some people mad but guys hear what we're saying we're gonna give you like 10 reasons so write these down number three is church is more about politics than it is about jesus yes a church that is more interested listen to what i'm going to say here in advancing a political figure than advancing the kingdom of god is not a healthy church I want you guys now it's not bad to talk about politics or be political it's bad when you're more interested in advancing the president than the president of humanity the president of planet earth who is jesus philippians chapter 3 verse 20 says but we are citizens of where paul heaven, heaven where the lord jesus christ lives and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our savior so paul makes it very very clear to the church in philippi our citizenship is first in heaven now I'm not delusional I'm not like well you're not a citizen of the US I totally get the legal thing but first I'm a citizen of heaven because that's where the Lord Jesus Christ lives so when my church's focus and goal is getting a political figure in office then it is getting people discipled getting people baptized casting out demons laying hands on the sick seeing people get saved evangelism on the streets helping the poor and the widow and the orphan that's what the Bible commands us to do again I'm not throwing out politics i'm saying our number one goal is not political advancement i have friends that during elections they talk five times more about the president than they do about jesus that's unhealthy to me it creates an unhealthy environment where people have more faith in a man and we have to be careful tj that we don't wrap our pulpits in american flags we have to be careful that we're not more about advancing a political figure or a kingdom on the earth Um, than the kingdom of almighty god we don't want to wrap the cross in an american flag and call that christianity we need to be more worried about biblical figures than political figures and we need to spend more time telling people to preach the gospel than we do to tell them to go vote okay we need to preach the gospel that's what we're commanded to do political activism is not a substitute for biblical evangelism okay let me say that again political activism is not a substitute for biblical evangelism now of course should Christians vote yes of course you should go out and vote but understand that what's happening in our nation is more about what's happening uh, more about what God is doing than about what a man in the Oval Office is doing it's not about a donkey or an elephant it's about the lamb of God so we have to make sure that we don't get into involved in this whole political agenda where we're so focused and so worried about what politics are doing what a president is doing than what God is doing so when your church gets more involved in politics and they do involved in Jesus and the only time they're excited to share is when it's to go to the polls I think that's a good time that you need to find a biblical-based healthy church that's not more involved and there and again there's many churches that are unhealthy. We just did a broadcast with Dr. Michael Brown on this where politi- politics are more important than Jesus. That's a very, very dangerous sign. Give us the, the next reason. Reason four, TJ, of why you should leave leave four. a church.
1: Reason number four to not leave uh, to leave a church. Reason number four to leave a church would be the church preaches a doctrine by the name of cessationism. Say, say it one more this time so the chat hears you
0: nice and clear. Let me. I want to hear that nice and clear, TJ, because you're getting me excited here.
1: Reason number four to leave a church is if the church preaches and holds to the doctrine of cessationism. Cessationism is the doctrine um, and a popular, unfortunately, a popular belief in this day and age that the gifts of the Holy Spirit, miracles, healing, signs, wonders, seized sometime between the death of the last apostle and the advent of the New Testament canon. The canon, the canonization of the New Testament, meaning the compilation of every book of the New Testament several hundred years after, uh, after the early church was formed in Acts chapter two. And so they use a scripture. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to dissect this, what they believe in. I'm going to show you why it's not right. They use the scripture, 1 Corinthians 13, where it says, where there is tongues, it shall cease; Where there is prophecy, it will fail. And where there is knowledge, it will vanish away. But love never fails. And they take that to mean that, uh, well, going going on in 1 Corinthians 13 where it says, when that which is, now we see through a glass dimly, but then we shall see perfectly. For when that which is perfect has come, and that's, that's important key. to know, that key. which is perfect has come, then that which is not perfect shall be done away with. And they believe that the perfect Paul speaks of in 1 Corinthians 13 is the Bible, the formal, the formal Bible that we have today, the canonization of the scripture. And that the imperfect is the operation of the gifts of the spirit. So in other words, they believe Paul was saying when the Bible's formed and when the last apostle passes, when the Bible is formed, the perfect has come. The gifts of the spirit are no longer necessary because we can solely reply, rely on on the scriptures for everything that we need. Now, I am sola scriptura in the sense that the Bible holds everything we need. But like I said before, the scripture is a supernatural book and it carries supernatural seed and you can't sow it by preaching it without reaping a supernatural harvest. Jesus said, go and preach. These signs will follow them that believe. He didn't say these signs will follow the apostles. He didn't say these signs will follow until the arrival of the New Testament canon. He said these signs will follow just those that believe. So as long as there's believers, the signs of casting out devils, healing the sick, miracles, raising the dead... Those signs are going to continue to follow. So what really, what was Paul saying? Paul was actually saying that the perfect is Jesus. Yes. That when Jesus comes back for his church, then that which is imperfect will be done away with. Then tongues are not going to be necessary anymore. Then prophecy, we're not going to have to prophesy in heaven. We're not going to need tongues and interpretation. We're not going to need the working of miracles. There won't be any miracles necessary in heaven. We'll have glorified bodies. We won't need gifts of healing. There won't be handicapped parking spaces in heaven. And we're going to believe God for a healing today. There won't be any of that. There's not going to be deaf clinics. There's not going to be blind schools. There's not going to be any of that. There won't be miracles necessary in heaven. Those gifts are for here and now until... The closing of the church age, and that's what Paul was saying. So any church that teaches that the the gifts of the Holy yes. Spirit no longer operate today, that the day of miracles is a thing of past, that, first of all, I have to remind you, we don't. There was never a day of miracles. There is only a God of miracles. Come on. There is only a God of miracles. He said, "I am that I am." He is the eternal one, the unchangeable God. His program hasn't changed. His plan, his mandate hasn't changed. He still heals the sick today. He's still willing to cast out devils. He's still... To use us to cast out devils. He's still delivering the downcast. He's still changing the unchangeable he's still reversing the irreversible he's still moving mountains out of people's way and anybody in any church that would say otherwise you know it's funny because acts chapter 28 it ends indefinitely there's no there's no definite ending to acts 28 it's just like it leads you on it's like because that's that was intentional i might remind you the, the bible is inspired of god nothing is by mistake it's all by divine design and it's an intentional thing. It's like dot 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 to finish the book of Acts because it continues to this day. There's actually a book called 2000 Years of Charismatic History where you can actually pinpoint pockets of God moving by his spirit and pockets of people speaking in tongues. That stuff never ceased. It never stopped. It never stopped. And in 1906 we saw a deluge, a flooding of those things happening, again, on a global scale, in Azusa Street, the people that caught got baptized in the Holy Spirit, there, going all around the world internationally and bringing it. I'm a product of that. Out in Montreal, Quebec, someone caught the fire of God, spe- began speaking in tongues, flowing in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, went down to Buffalo, New York. From Buffalo, New York to, New- to Toronto, there was a group of Italian men. That caught the baptism in the Holy Spirit went to Montreal, released it. My church, founded in 1921, was a product of that. Wow. And here I stand, wow. Pentecostal to the core, having tasted of the power of God. You know, I had cessationists come to me when I got saved, and I had OCD, and they said this is Paul's thorn in the flesh. You know, he, he, you know, God you, God, you can't, you can't. You can ask God to heal you, but it's all by His sovereign thing. You know He might not heal you, and you just, it's Paul's thorn in the flesh. Not even knowing that if you study Paul's thorn in the flesh, it's not a it's not a, a sickness or a disease. It was a group of persecutors that followed him all throughout his journeys, and I'm not going to get into that. But I ta- I was taught that, and as long as I absorbed that garbage, and it was trash because it wasn't biblically founded, as long as I took that in, I stayed sick. I stayed mentally Come oppressed. On. And and depressed and suicidal. But the moment I was taught the correct method, the correct way, that Jesus didn't just come so you can have a passport to heaven. And this is why we're called full gospel preachers. Cessationists don't believe in a full gospel. They believe in a half gospel. All God's concerned with is you dragging your sorry behind across the pearly gates, beat up by the devil in this life. But I'm a full gospel Christian. I believe he not only sent Jesus to, to forgive my sin, and wash it away. But also, 1 John 3, for this reason, the Son of God was made manifest to destroy the work of the devil. Now, No doubt you know Jesus Christ of Nazareth who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed by the devil. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. When I heard that, that's when the chains of OCD broke off my life. That's when I had a vision of Jesus tied to a whipping post, taking whips on his back. And he looked at me and he didn't say, Hey, just be happy you're making heaven. He said, I did this so you can experience my healing power on your in your body here on the earth. And right there, from the top of my head, like electricity, it flowed through my body. Isaiah said this earlier, and it was prophetic. He said, some of you are going to get healed on this broadcast. And I feel that anointing strong right now. God's going to touch your body today in Jesus' name. That demon of cancer is backing off your life in Jesus' name. Any." demonic assignment against your mind against your body is being broken now you're leaving this stream whole strong healthy walking in the fullness of the blessing of christ of jesus christ in jesus name whether the devil likes it or not he is losing your address from today onward
0: come on cessationism is false doctrine if you're going to a cessationist church you need to go find a new church because nobody should be going to church hearing about what god isn't doing anymore that's what cessationists preach that's their message what God isn't doing we need to be in a church where we're talking about what God is doing today has no scriptural backing it's a false doctrine made by man 100 false number five I think that was number four maybe I'm off but oh well number five is prophetic abuse oh this is a Mm -hmm. this is a tough one this is using God told me from the pastors or people in the church to control, manipulate, and dominate people. I call this prophetic witchcraft. God told me you're called to this ministry. God told me that you're supposed to marry this person. God told me that you're gonna go get this job. God told me that you're supposed to sow this much into this church or this ministry. God told me you're not supposed to hang out with those people. Are y'all catching this tonight? God told me that you need to go do this. You use, God told me, let me put my little parenthesis fingers up, to control, dictate, dominate, and govern other people's lives. 1 Corinthians 14 3 but the one who prophesies what does he do TJ strengthens others encourages them and comforts them hold on Paul you forgot to say that he controls them that he dominates them and that he uses prophecy to gain money that's not what Paul said it's for strengthening encouraging and comforting so we don't control with prophecy we strengthen with prophecy I've literally heard words people give say God told me that you need to give this much and if you sow a thousand dollars trash friend let me let me say it clearly that is trash that is garbage that is not what jesus preached that's not what the disciples preach that's deception at the highest level if the church is practicing prophetic witchcraft if they're practicing domination using the god told me run as tj said like the road runner in first corinthians 13 uh, tj paul talks about love in the context of spiritual gifts and he emphasizes this so he uses love ties it in with spiritual gifts and this is what he emphasizes It does not seek its own so love and spiritual gifts are not self-seeking in other words we don't use gifts or prophecy to benefit off of other people using prophecy to gain something for yourself is demonic it's wrong okay so don't let anyone back you in a corner and tie your hands and say god told me to do this because what happens is if i come to you as your pastor and say god told me you need to do this i basically tied your hands because if you disobey what i tell you god told me then you're basically disobeying God. So it's wrong, it's demonic. Um, Jeremiah says this in Jeremiah 23, chapter 23, verse nine. As for the prophets, this is what Jeremiah says. My heart is broken within me. All my bones tremble I've become like a drunken man even like a man overcome with wine because of the Lord and because of his holy words for the land he's talking about the false prophets is full of adulterers for the land mourns because of the curse the pastures in the wilderness have dried up their course is evil and their might is not right so I want you to focus on the last word here their might is not right he's saying the false prophets use their strength use their power to dominate people and jeremiah is wounded from this his his heart is broken and his bones tremble because they're using power for the wrong reason false prophets use false prophecies and spiritual authority and this goes into pastors who dominate people apostles who dominate people we could tie it all into this to manipulate people and manipulation is the purest form of witchcraft so Another danger is, and this goes into the same thing, is when churches focus more on prophetic words to guide them than the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. If you're in a church, and I'm going to say this loud and clear, that cares more about prophetic words guiding them than the Word of God or the Holy Spirit, you need to run up out of that church that's that's prophetic witchcraft probably at play so we don't want to allow jeremiah talks about the words of prophets prophesying to you that lead you into futility you, you lead you into carnality and they speak visions of their own imagination that's jeremiah twenty three sixteen. they don't speak from the mouth of the lord jeremiah says but they speak words coming from their own imagination their opinions and they claim it's god we need to be very careful that we're not giving our opinions here's the honest to god reality our opinions do not matter. What I have to say, what TJ has to say, what matters is what does God's Word say. So we're not just giving you our opinions or our experience. And mods, go ahead and ban these people that are putting adult websites in the chat. Go ahead and thank you. Um, our opinions don't matter. What matters is we're giving you the Word of God. So I would hesitate to be in a church where the pastor is constantly saying, "Now here's a here's a given." And I'll pass to you, TJ. If a pastor ever says, "Guys, hear me tonight." God told me to tell you to do this or god said this and it's a contrary to the word of god that's an automatic false false teacher false prophet domination witchcraft leave that church okay so prophetic witchcraft prophetic abuse reason number five if the church is more involved than god told me god told me prophecy 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 then the word of god now of course we both prophesy we love prophecy. We're charismatic. We're Pentecostal. We believe in prophecy. We believe in God's word speaking, but we don't believe in controlling and dominating people with prophetic words and with prophetic witchcraft. TJ, give us—if you you want to tag on, you can. But what about number six? You have another reason why people should leave their church.
1: Sure. And like I said, I'm I'm bringing out. I love, I love the points you're bringing because they're so necessary. I might just add them to my own notes. Come on. Uh, but here's another fundamental one. The church doesn't preach against sin. Oh, it come preaches on. preaches a hyper, hyper grace, greasy grace doctrine. They use grace as a license to keep on sinning instead of preaching as what it should be, a power to stop sinning. You know, people always say that grace is, a, you know, no matter what you've done, grace covers all and stuff. Grace is actually not what God uh, uses to forgive you. Mercy is the attribute of God that allows us to be forgiven. It's his mercy that allows us to, to, though our sins were as red as crimson, to become as white as snow. But grace is actually an empowering force by the Holy Spirit that empowers an individual to sin no more. How do we know that? Because Jesus was full of grace. If, If grace was just a covering for sin... Why would Jesus need to be full of grace? What sin did he have to cover up? Mm. He didn't have to cover up any sin. He was full of grace. That's why he lived the sinless life. That's why he lived the perfect so life. He was full of grace. He was in all points tempted as we are, but full of grace and therefore he sinned not. The perfect sinless lamb of God, the blood that was perfect without spot, without, without uh, blemish. That's why he was able to live a perfect life, because he was full of grace. So grace is not a covering for sin. Grace is not, it's not a flash card we show heaven every time we mess up and say, God, remember grace. Like, that's actually, in, the Bible says in Hebrews, let me actually read it, because I feel like some people don't believe this is in the Bible. They think like, well, no, that can't actually be, God would never do that. It's a little too harsh, you know? You got to be more Christ-like when you preach. Well, you can't be more Christ-like than preaching his word. Come this on. This is what... This is what the scripture says in Hebrews 10:26. If we sin willfully. So I'm not talking about you made a mistake yesterday, you know, you 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 stubbed your toe and said some things you shouldn't have said. I'm not talking about the the random thing that you did by accident and you realized it, you repented of it, you turned away, you're back on the path of perfection and that's it. See, people think that when we preach like this, oh you guys think you're all perfect. Uh, Well, first of all, yeah, because the Bible says he has forever perfected those who are being sanctified. Come on. So, yes, yes, positionally, I am perfect in the the eyes of God. However, I'm also being perfected. And perfection is not a destination. It's not something, it's not a a destination. It's not like uh, the the, the, the goal line, you finally hit perfection and now, you know, just relax the rest of your life. Perfection is actually a path that you keep to. And if you fall off that path, the righteous man can fall seven times, but he gets back up and he sticks back to the path of perfection. He gets back on the highway of holiness. So when the writer of Hebrews is saying we sin willfully, he's not talking about um, an accident here. You know, you said some things to that person. You realize it wasn't right. You called them back. He's talking about people that are engaged in a lifestyle of deliberate sin, continual deliberate sin. You are flashing heaven the middle finger and you're not doing anything about it. You don't care about what God thinks. You know, Jesus said, he that has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. So I, you know, people say all the time, you know, I know I'm living with this guy. He's not my boyfriend. I mean, he's not my husband. He's my boyfriend. But, you know, God knows my heart. Yeah, your actions reveal your heart. And the scripture says, if you don't keep his commandments, it's proof that you don't love him. Wow. I know that's harsh. I know it's a heavy mallet tonight, but first John two says by this, we know that we have the love of God when we keep his word, when you keep his word, it's proof that the love of God is in you. So when you don't keep his word, what is it proof of that? You don't love God. When you are deliberately going against violating God's commandments, The Bible says it this way, James 4, he says, you have become a friend to this world. And in so doing, you have actually positioned yourself to be an enemy of God. Do you know that God is not for everyone? God is not for everyone. God loves everyone. God loves the sinner. God wants you on his team. Again, God wants to, 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 to cause you to to totally be transformed and everything go back to where you know where it was when you had that first love. But if you backslide and you go out, the Bible says when you make yourself a friend of this world, you ally yourself with this world, you become an enemy of God. God will not promote a man in sin, God will not advance a man in sin. The Bible says, be sure, actually, your sins will find you out. The wages of sin is death. There is an eternal unalterable law in place. The seed of sin will produce a harvest of sorrow, depression, and disaster. That's why I always say, get rid of sin before sin gets rid of you. If we sin willfully after we've received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation, which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who rejects Moses' law dies without mercy on the presence of two or three witnesses. Verse 29, Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy, who has done what? Trampled the Son of God underfoot. I mean, that's heavy. That's like the fear of God right there. It says, when you deliberately go on sinning Come after on. knowing the truth, you're actually walking on Jesus. Counted the blood of the covenant by which you were sanctified, a common thing. Uh, I'll, just, you know, I'll just ask him for forgiveness later. The common thing. There's no holy reverence for the blood of Jesus. And then this final part is what I, I came for. And you have insulted the spirit of grace. And in verse 31, it says, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. There are many churches have insulted the spirit of grace by this greasy grace preaching. There's people who believe in a doctrine that no matter what you do, as long as you've prayed a prayer at an altar, no matter what you do, no matter how your life looks afterwards, you're saved, you're eternally sealed, you're persevered to the end. God, God overlooks it all. Your past, present, future sin, all under the blood. doesn't matter what you do. Your, your spirit is redeemed. Your body, you can do whatever you want. It's, it's still part of the fallen world, fallen nature. And that's actually a false doctrine Paul actually rebukes in the Corinthian church. It's called Gnosticism. Well, they believe that their spirit was saved, their body was free, they can join themselves to prostitutes, they can have sex orgies, they can do anything they want. But Paul actually says, don't you know your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? Don't you know how you conduct yourself? He says, he says, I remind you again, those who commit sexual immorality, homosexuality, and he goes on, adultery, idolatry, anger, envy any of these things, I've warned you before, those who practice such things will not enter the kingdom of God. So if, you ent- if you're if you in a church where their objective is not to feel, make you feel convicted, but to make you feel comfortable, good preaching is going to comfort the afflicted, but it's going to afflict the comfortable. You shouldn't feel comfortable
0: living come on, in sin. Come you
1: on. shouldn't feel comfortable living an unholy lifestyle. Sh- that's not how church be Church, it's like this idea that like, The gospel is totally universal in everything. Let me make this clear. The invitation of the gospel is universal. The Bible says, all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. But the actual reception in heaven, those who are received in heaven, is exclusive to one people. And those are, God doesn't care if you're black, white, Asian, doesn't doesn't see color. The only people that heaven receives, 2 Corinthians 6 says, those who have... Touch not the unclean thing. Have left this and forsaken this present world. Have repented. It's not just believe and you're saved. Repent and believe and you shall be saved. The Bible says, touch not the unclean thing. Separate yourself from this world. And then God said, I will receive you as a a father receives a son and a daughter. So if you're in a church where they preach a greasy grace doctrine, do whatever you want, live however you want. There's, you know, hell's not real. Hell's just a fictional place God used. You know, there's a book by a very famous Christian author called Love Wins that says at the end of all, at the end of everything, God was kidding about hell. It's a fictitious place. At the end of everything, he's going to say, hey, devil, even you're going to be saved because my love overpowers my justice. God is love, but God is also a just God. And I'm too, I love you too much. And if you go to a church where they don't tell you this, it's because they don't love you at all. People think when you preach on sin, you're harsh, you don't love people, you're a, hate, you're a hater. When in actual fact, when you preach on sin and warn people, if there was a Mack truck coming towards my three-year-old boy and I just said, hey Judah, if you feel good there, you know, you keep on, you keep on walking that path. Not knowing there's an 18-wheeler wheeler that's gonna flatten him. No, what would I do? Even if it made him discomfort, come on. Even if it hurt him, even if he came out with a scrape and a bruise, I'd run and tackle him out of there, knowing that the wages of sin is death. I'll tackle him, even if it causes temporal discomfort. Come on. If it meant his eternal comfort in heaven and not eternal discomfort in hell. I'll do whatever I have to do. And I don't care if the la- the world labels me as some hater or whatever. I don't care. Look at what the world celebrates as normal. Do you really want to be celebrated as normal anyways? No. So if you attend a church like that, look at the exit sign, turn the knob. Go ahead. Out. So good. So
0: they don't address sin. Okay, number seven, we're gonna go quick here. I know we're over an hour already, is the pastor lives an immoral lifestyle. For me, This 100% is a good enough reason for me to live a church. The pastor is supposed to, according to scripture, live to a higher standard than everybody else. Paul says you shouldn't want to be a teacher because you're going to have a stricter judgment. So there are, we won't go through all of them for the sake of time. There's qualifications to being a pastor. And when the pastor is out doing whatever he wants, drinking however he wants, watching whatever he wants, flaunting his liberties, flaunting his lack of conviction, doing immoral things, That's a good reason to leave in fact jude really breaks down some of the main characteristics of a false shepherd or a false teacher and the first chapter of jude verse three he says dear brothers i've been wanting to write you about the salvation we share but i have to i found out that i must write you about something else look at what jude says he says urging you to defend the faith that god has entrusted you to his holy people but look at verse four i say this because some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches they say look at this tj that God's marvelous grace allows us to live a moral lives you just talked about this the condemnation was recorded long ago for they denied our only Lord Master Jesus Christ so here's what he says these people are ungodly people this is the first sign he says of these false pastors teachers prophets is they live ungodly lives they don't live according to scripture they don't bear the fruits of the spirit they kind of do what they want go where they want watch what they want drink how they want talk how they want sleep around how they want and this is pastors happening in mega churches and and many churches as well they live an ungodly life and they worm their way in their church and they 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 not only live and here here's the main issue tj of why i would not go to a church of a pastor that lives immoral is because the messages he preaches are filtered through a more an immoral lens they're preached through a compromised lifestyle so he will in his preaching justify his own lifestyle He'll teach a message that doesn't line up with scripture. And many of your favorite preachers that are in these megachurches, they do this. They, They water down the gospel so that they could justify their own lifestyle. They say, oh, it's okay, you know, there's grace if you fornicate there's grace if you drink there's grace if you watch all kinds of filth Isaiah Saldivar guys like him is legalistic you know he doesn't understand the grace and the new covenant he doesn't understand that the grace of God covers where sin abound grace abounds greater but here's what they fail to realize if you keep reading Paul says should we keep sinning because of grace if you keep reading and the answer is no because he says this how could those that are dead in sin continue to live in sin paul says how could you keep living like that if you've died to that carnal fleshly nature you've been given the grace of god which isn't a license to live recklessly it's a license to live holy how could you now keep living an immoral lifestyle so yes if you look at jeremiah he will go on and on about these men that are preaching the word of god but living immoral lifestyles if i see a pastor or leader living an unclean life unrepentant unapologetic not willing to sit down and repent and and walk a a clean life that's a clear sign for me to go find a new church because if the pastor's not living it how is he how are we expecting for me to live it if i'm following because remember what paul said follow me as i follow christ so i'm following my leaders as they're following christ i'm following my pastors and my my pastor's walking unholy getting caught up in all kinds of drama all kinds of uncleanliness ungodliness if I was going to go live that life, TJ, I would sit down and I wouldn't be leading anybody. If I can't even lead myself and my own family, my own life, I have no business. So for me, pastors that live in a lifestyle. TJ, before we close it up, give me one more reason uh, why. I think that was reason seven. Give Just shoot me. I know you have more. I have more. But for the sake of time, give me one more reason why you think is a good reason to leave your church. I'm
1: trying to pick between I know. Two. I know. There's I too I many good ones, bro. Time. We
0: could go hours here um what's let a good me, one let here? me
1: very quickly go through. yeah go for it go for it go for it number eight would be the church doesn't do any evangelistic evangelism go ahead. no go evangelistic ahead. outreaches no nothing there's no there's no attempt to win the loss there's no attempt there's no presence nobody even knows you exist down the street you could be on mm. one block nobody even knows you exist because there's no evangelism in your church i mean like doing planning outreaches i'm not saying you have to do one every single week although that's not a bad thing, but outreaches throughout the year, at least one major one every year, where there you are the arm of Jesus and you're bringing people into the kingdom. The problem, and here's the thing, if the church isn't in, interested at all in evangelism, it's forfeited its biblical yes. right to exist. When a church, when a ministry, any ministry that's not winning the loss has forfeited its biblical right to exist, all the ministry gifts have a task. Paul said, do the work. an evangelist and then finally is weird unbiblical manifestations going on in the services go ahead we gotta say it now this one's gonna this one's gonna sting some people but hear me out if you are more excited about a gold dust falling in your hands than someone being baptized in the holy ghost and the church emphasizes more these manifestations of like gold dust or a feather coming and falling on your ear or whatever, and it's an angel feather. If there's more emphasis on that than the actual manifestations of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, meaning people being healed, miracles happening, or uh, there's people coming to the Lord in repentance and in faith of an altar packed with people repenting before Jesus. If there's more emphasis on the gold dust or the feather coming from the ventilator, the vent, then you're in a, in a place that's most likely preaching erroneous doctrine and prone to error. 1 Corinthians 12, the Bible says, these are the gifts of the Spirit. It says, to one, there's a the word of knowledge. A word of wisdom to another, the gift of faith. He says the gifts of healing, working of miracles, uh, the tongues, interpretation, prophecy, discerning of spirits. And he says the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the manifestation of these things. Pretty much what he's saying is, here's how the Spirit of God manifests himself. Here's how the Spirit of God reveals himself in a service. It's through these gifts. It's through these things. And the manifestation of of these things is for the profit of all. And so if there's an emphasis placed on feathers, gold dust, whatever, oil, I saw someone freaking out, never seen them post anything about someone getting baptized in the Holy Spirit, never seen them post anything on, you know, um, revival hit here tonight, this person just freaked out because oil came on their hands, which most likely was sweat, but they were freaking out because oil came on their hands. And they posted about it, raving about it. And it's like there's such emphasis on this. And I'm not against, you know. Yeah, I want to say, be clear, we're not against signs and wonders. If gold, exactly. It's not about the sign and the wonder. like The real sign and wonder is a changed life. We talked about it. It's a transformed life. It's not in all these things. This is what the Jews wanted. They said, we want to see these things. Show yourself. Jesus said, it's a wicked generation that seeks after those things. The glory of God. You know, there's a song that says, show us your glory, show us your glory. Well, what's the glory of God? The glory of God is changed lives. Like we said, we are being transformed into that same image from glory to glory. That's the glory of God. And so if there's so much emphasis and this obsession with such... With, with, with things laughing. that don't even have redemptive value. You know, I always, like I was saying before, if people that say like these diamonds showed up in my service, okay, if those are actual diamonds, do you think that the Lord gave them to you so that you can just put them on a case and hide them on your library shelf? Or maybe perhaps it was actually to go and cash them in and get money so you can pay, pay off your rundown building and build something nicer. Maybe that's why the Lord brought the diamond. Maybe that's why the Lord brought the gold. Maybe that, you know, like, they they just they take them as relics of like look God was here look the true manifestation of God's presence and you don't see this in Jesus's ministry he wasn't going around and I know this is going to sting a lot of people I don't know what the viewership <laughs> is ahead. right now but go ahead I, I have to say it because we as the body of Christ have to refocus we as the body of Christ and maybe this actually lines up good with my last point on evangelism we have to refocus why we're here. How God moves, you know, in Acts chapter eight, when Philip went down to Samaria, it wasn't feathers falling from the sky. It was the multitudes gave heed to the things spoken by Philip, seeing and hearing the miracles which he did perform. For many that were taken with palsy and paralyzed were healed, and many that were demonized were delivered, and there was great joy in that city. I'm not ashamed of the Holy Ghost. I'm not ashamed of the power of the gospel, for it is salvation to all who believe. And the Spirit manifests in people getting baptized in the Holy Ghost, people getting healed, people getting delivered. People coming to salvation. These are what constitute an orderly New Testament service. And we need to refocus, realign our focus, zone back in to what must be prioritized. In, so in, good in these last days and I just especially. want I
0: want to make it clear too for those of you that might misunderstand him in the chat is me and TJ are four signs and wonders we are four miracles we love all of it we want all of it but biblically if you look at Mark 16 we do not follow signs and wonders signs and wonders follow us the Bible says let me give you the Bible Mark 16. these signs shall follow them that believe so what are the signs that are going to follow us is it the feathers and gold dust and diamonds and jewels and golden uh feelings in the teeth is that the signs will that can be but the Bible says the signs are they will cast out demons they will heal the sick and they will speak in other tongues and they'll take up serpents which is divine protection and the serpents won't hurt them they'll drink deadly poison the poison won't kill them so we don't follow this is what we're saying is not that signs and wonders are bad or we should ask for them we don't follow them this is not the goal when we get together is that we would get covered in gold dust the goal is the gospel proclamation the the demons would be cast out miracles would happen as we follow Jesus the signs and wonders are a byproduct because we are demonstrators of a heavenly invisible kingdom and in that demonstration demons are cast out in that demonstration miracles happen in that demonstration people are born again so we are demonstrating God's kingdom on the earth now again we want signs and wonders we love signs and wonders we believe in signs and wonders but we have seen An abuse in the charismatic movement where people are more obsessed with diamonds than they are people being born again they're more obsessed with feathers than they are the presence of god prayer holiness you see people more posting about gold dust and oil than they do posting about the holy spirit about prayer about the word of god i mean a lot of these people they don't pray they don't read the bible they don't seek god at all intimately they're chasing from conference to conference gold dust to gold dust so it's not the that we're saying this is wrong this is not what we're saying is our emphasis should not be on the miracles it should be on the miracle worker men have always TJ had the tendency to worship what God does rather than God himself so we don't want to worship what God does we want to worship God we don't worship the Bible people get people literally manifest when I say we don't worship the Bible like what do you mean we don't worship the Bible we don't worship the scripture we don't pray to the Bible we pray to the author of the Bible we don't pray to the scripture we pray to the author we don't worship it we don't bow down and pray to it we pray to the God that is the author of scripture so we have to be careful that we're not worshiping and praying to miracle signs and wonders right like our goal is not Lord bringing the gold to us it's Lord make disciples Lord send us Jesus told the disciples how to pray. He said, pray that the Lord of the harvest would send laborers into the harvest. So God was saying, you're the laborer, pray that I would send you out. Like we got to get up and go do the work. Okay, number 10, I got to add a bonus just to clean you know, clean it up with number 10. I'm going to give one more. It'll be very, very quick. Reasons you should leave your church. And this is a big one. And some of you pastors are like who we made it through nine. You might get stuck here on number 10. This is very unhealthy is they don't like when you do ministry outside the church this is massive okay you type one if you know what i'm saying your pastor gets mad when you have prayer meetings in your home okay i'm gonna go after it here they get mad if you try to baptize anybody in your home they get mad if you try to disciple anybody they get mad if you try to cast demons outside the church they get mad if you pray for the sick outside the church they think all the ministry has to be done in the building on sunday and you get in trouble leonard ravenhill calls it being fired for being on fire and this happened to me actually twice okay i'm just gonna be honest here i got in trouble two different churches got pretty much blessed out blessed out of two churches for trying to pray for people at the altar trying to you know be or in order that's not what i'm saying be in order but when you're doing prayer meetings at your home and i got this happened to me in two large churches I was in trouble for having prayer meetings in my home and they told me you should not be having prayer meetings in your home you should be having prayer at the church which by the way both churches had no prayer meetings so i'm like how could i have a prayer meeting when there's no prayer meeting but i got in trouble for trying to have prayer meeting at my house with my friends my family and people were getting saved and two different churches told me if you don't shut down the prayer meetings at your home then you cannot be a part of this church praise the lord the lord Bless me out of those churches okay because i wasn't going to stop having prayer meetings i wasn't going to stop baptizing people in my bathtub i wasn't going to stop discipling my friends at my dinner table i wasn't going to stop laying hands on people at walmart i wasn't going to stop going out and preaching the gospel if you were at my church i would love for you to do deliverance at your house we would celebrate you baptizing people in your bathtub we baptize people every service every single week okay we don't do like once a month every single service every week people are getting baptized at our church but hey if you want to baptize people at your house you can help us out baptize them in your bathtub disciple them cast out demons in your living room go preach to people at walmart go do evangelism if your pastor's mad at you doing work outside the church that's not a good church to be involved in i would say that's a good reason all right let me okay TJ I'm gonna give you a a, a two minute break before I have you pray let me give you guys I won't explain these but let me give you quickly oops I think I just played the stream in the background here is it going okay let me just quickly give you bad reasons I know TJ has some on his channel as well you guys can go watch his channels down below but let me just quickly give you bad reasons to leave a church so we gave you 10 good reasons biblical valid reasons okay and again you don't have to listen to what we're saying just pray about it and look up the word and see what you think we gave you reasons why you should be in church now let me give you reasons why you shouldn't leave your church these are not good reasons okay number one if the music's not your style that's not a good reason to leave your church okay number two if a cooler church a cooler church opened up down the road that's not a good reason to leave your church. Number three, if you're not being fed well enough, okay, only babies need to be fed. You need to learn to feed yourself. If you're like my pastor's not feeding me. That's not a good reason to leave your church. Number four, if the church message is too convicting for you, if you're being too convicted, you're like, I got to go find somewhere that's easier. That's not a good reason to leave your church. Number five, if they're not doing things the way you think they should do them, that's not a good reason to leave your church. And then number six, if it's not your preference, okay? You don't like the light, you don't like the color of the carpet, you don't like the style. You don't like the pr- if it's about your preference, that's not a good reason. Those are some not good reasons. TJ, give me one or two little quick, okay? Just bonus ones, not good reasons to leave your church. Here. I'll, I'll let you throw some on there cuz I know you're probably chomping at I the bit you here. I covered
1: them all pretty well. Did I cover them all good? The ones I have them on my on my broadcast, but I will say something because I think this would be a great way to conclude it. How do you leave a church? Yes. And I think that there's a lot of people that love to make a ruckus as they leave. They feel like it's now their duty to go on to Facebook and take 50 people blast. with them. Yeah, go and take people with them, blast the pastor publicly. Those are awful ways to do it. And I'm telling you, God is not pleased when you do something like that. First of all, if you're in a church and perhaps all 10 of these things are going on, that is a weird <laughs> church. That's a messed up church. Is
0: that a cessationist church? You are, go ahead, sorry. If you are in a
1: place like that, here's what not to do. I feel like the Lord has me here because I'm going to change the pastor. I'm going to change the pastor. You're not going to change the pastor. Second of all, if the pastor who's the the leader of that church has a vision and that's his vision, when you come out and have a different vision, that's where division happens. Division. And they're not called to split churches. Don't try and, like Isaiah said, don't try and get a group of people with you. And then have this insurrection happen. No, no. And then you're, I'm going to start my own church. I could do it better. I'm going to start my own church across the street. That never ends up well. It never ends up good. It always ends up disastrous. Um, and and it, it actually hurts a lot of people. So here, how do you leave a church properly and in honor? Remember, David had Saul in sight. He had his scope on him. He could have pulled the trigger and taken him out. And what did David say? I will not touch the Lord's anointed. So number one, do not, I repeat, do not begin to backbite, gossip, gossip whisper, tear down his ministry because he did things differently than you. Look, I have friends that are cessationists. There are a lot of good-hearted, on, like that love God, that don't believe in the gifts of the Spirit. They don't believe like I do. They love God. They're going to be in heaven. I really believe that. I don't think it's a salvific thing. I'm just telling you that's the reason I would leave a church if they didn't believe in the full gospel and the move of the Holy Spirit. It does not mean they're evil people, wolves in sheep's clothing. Although the first one, inspiration of scripture, definitely. But if they're cessationists, whatever, it doesn't mean that they're wolves in sheep's you clothing. You just wouldn't go to their, their church. You should go on Facebook and totally ransack their ministry and actually take it upon yourself to just do expose videos. Isaiah Salvar expose. How many of you are familiar with those videos? (laughs) Come on. You know, like anyone that does anything for God. Anyways, you don't want to do that. You don't want to be known as that person that all you do is, is just call out people for everything that they, you don't want to be known like that. So don't make noise and tear up the place when you go. Here's a proper way to do it. Okay. If you are involved, some people, you might be heavily involved in the church. Maybe you volunteer, maybe you're on the worship team. I don't know. Here's what you do. Pull your pastor aside. You kindly tell him, Lord's leading you in a different direction. And I suggest bring him a gift. Sew into him. Honor him. Bring him a gift. Give him a check. Give him whatever. Honor him. This guy may have appreciate to your life. Huh? Show your
0: appreciation is what you're saying.
1: Show your appreciation. That's right. Bring him a gift. Even if you feel like, man, I don't really like my heart's not with this guy anymore. Maybe he did something wrong to you. Maybe he's wronged you in the past. Maybe he doesn't answer your text messages. Whatever bring him a gift, sow a seed into his ministry, honor his life. The Bible says they that labor in the word and doctrine are worthy of double honor. Honor them because God values and honors those who value honor. God honors those who value honor. Honor, give honor to whom honor is due. This will ensure two things. You're going to reap honor because you're sowing honor. Because I'm telling you, if you tear things up, you will reap what you sow. Galatians six 6.9. Yes. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. You will reap what you sow. You take it upon yourself to tear things up. You will reap it one day. That's not karma. That's Galatians 6.9. And then two, it guarantees. If you sow a seed of honor into them, you give them a gift of appreciation. I'm not talking about like a $25 Applebee's card. Like actually, like sow something of significance to them. It ensures that you'll never become bitter about them. Because it's hard to become bitter towards someone that you've loved and that you have actually stepped out and given an action of love. It's hard mm. to become bitter for someone you pray for. It's hard to become bitter for some, to someone that you actually give to. It's very hard. That's why the Bible says love, love covers a multitude of sins. When you, when you love someone, when you sow a seed of honor, that's an action of love. You're walking in love. You're, you're subscribing to the love walk and it'll cover a multitude of sins
0: that's good and this is for like i know people in the church say why quietly left we're talking about if you're in leadership if you're involved if you've been going there for two weeks okay you don't need to sit yeah. down with the pastor you can quietly leave the church just don't bring yeah. people with you is what we're saying don't <laughs> cause a ruckus if you're involved if you've been there for years ask the pastor for his blessing now some pastors may bless you out hey we bless you go on and we pray some a lot of churches are more like a gang so they probably won't bless you out they'll be like good riddens. but you should at least try you should at least try honor them ask them for the blessing if they don't give you their blessing leave regardless but at least ask for it bring them a gift and do it with honor and do it with reverence if you're if you're there for a month two weeks you don't even know the pastor then quietly leave dust your feet off as the bible says and go to the next place all right those are wow what a great 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 10 good reasons here. TJ, do us a favor for those that maybe are about to leave. Maybe they're in the transition. Maybe they're looking for a church. Let's just say a corporate prayer. I know we've been live for an hour and 40 minutes here, but say a corporate prayer for us before we um, talk about a little bit other things, but go for it. Let's pray us out here.
1: Absolutely. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you. For this broadcast, I thank you that it's going to make its round around the world. I thank you for those that you'll draw to this, that have this issue in their mind right now, that aren't sure what to do, that they've had a check in their spirit where they've been placed and positioned in a, in the church, planted in a church. They've had a check that they've ignored year after year. But Lord, it's, it's sounding so strong. The alarm is ringing so loud and they know they have to do something. I pray right now that you'd give them the boldness to do it. I pray, Lord, that you give them the eyes to discern when things are up. Lord, these fundamental things, Lord, churches that are denying the inspiration of scripture, churches that are denying the, the move of the Holy Spirit, churches that have sin in the pulpit, and sin in leadership, and sin in all that stuff, and it's openly known. Father, I pray that you would give the people watching here online and on the replay the boldness to actually take action. And I ask you, Father, that you would guide them and direct them into a holy house where your word is honored, where your Holy Spirit is given, not as a guest of honor, he's given the seat of honor, That he's not a guest of honor, he owns the place, that Lord, you draw them and direct them and guide them to a a, a spirit-filled church that honors Bible truths, that isn't complying with worldly demands, that isn't complying with the spirit of this world and the Antichrist agenda of this world, but Lord, that there are churches like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who will never bow their knee, that will never bow their knee. Father, just like Elijah, he thought he was alone. And Lord, you reminded him and said there's 7,000 others. I pray that you would show them, show them those holy places filled with the people of God who have not bowed to Baal nor kissed his feet in this day and this age. In Jesus name, Lord, I ask it. I ask it in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would, you would just pull them in that direction. Give them a grace, oh God. And I ask you, Lord, even for those, I feel a special, special something in my spirit. There's people watching that there's no church like this where you live. I pray that you'd give them the boldness to reconsider where they even live, that they'd prioritize you even in this place that they'd move if they have to move across the country to be at a place like this I pray that you would confirm it to them and give them the 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 grace to actually pick up and move and as they put you first in this area saying I'm gonna put God I want my children going up in a holy ghost church I want my children going up and seeing lives changed because of uh, of an atmosphere conducive for the move of God. Lord, as they put you first in that, you said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added. Lord, that you'd give them good jobs because of it. Lord, that you'd promote them in their jobs because of it. Lord, that you'd supply all their needs, everything they need, everything that, uh, that pertains to their life. I pray that you'd amply supply it. Lord, as they delight themselves in the Lord, would you give them the desires of their heart? In Jesus' name, we call it done. Amen
0: amen what an amazing time guys tj's name is on the screen so you're asking what his real name is that's his real name you can just find his stuff on tj malconji his his social media is under tj it's not under his actual first and last name it's under tj malconji i've also linked his YouTube down below I've linked my second channel down below I, I don't want any of you getting off until you so something this has been an amazing broadcast we always say don't dine and dash we are supported by you guys The truth is we've canceled a bunch of streams this month because we've been traveling busy so support the broadcast support the ministry I'm gonna so into TJ as well but TJ let us know where else can they find you any other links that you want to just shout out here
1: Absolutely. so on Instagram you can follow me on Instagram do follow me on Instagram we always pump three times a week at least reels and shorts, short content, 60 seconds left. You know, if you have follow Isaiah on Instagram, very similar content. And so, um, they're very inspiring and they're faith, faith-building content. So subscribe to our YouTube, or uh, uh, sorry, s- sign up to our Instagram. Follow me on Instagram, TJ Malkanji is just my name. It's on the YouTube, screen, right there. Subscribe to our YouTube. We're about to clip over. I think like we're like a thousand from twenty thousand. We're gonna Come hit the on. twenty thousand marker. So if you can do me a great favor and subscribe on YouTube uh, every Tuesday and Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern time, we go live on YouTube, and then we also pump out content, original content, exclusive to YouTube, uh, eight to fifteen minute long videos that are gonna bless you and build your faith and your um, and, and inspire you to walk in the call of God. Also, TikTok. We're on TikTok, on Twitter. Um, I'm going to be in Vermont, if you're interested, October 23rd, this coming Sunday. Vermont, 9 a.m. No, actually, 10 10 a.m. and 6 p.m., I think. Or 10 a.m. and 7 Anyways, details are on my website. You can go to salvationnow.ca. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to be in Vermont. Then I'm going to Pittsburgh and then uh, back home to Canada. I'll be in Toronto, Canada uh, in November. So if you're in Canada, I am Canadian. So...
0: Hey, oh, we need it in Canada guys. The links are in the description on YouTube on Facebook You got to go on YouTube all of the links are in the description if you're on Facebook You can just search his name. Uh, thank you so much TJ for being on tonight. I appreciate you, bro
1: Absolutely. Can I just say yeah. you got to take a second and honor Isaiah because he did not have to do the stream Bro, I feel terrible right now traveling. to be honest. I'm like my head is spinning. I feel terrible, He's, man he, He'll never he'll never ask to honor himself and rightfully so but I'm gonna ask you to honor him Um, uh, so I appreciate you, bro do something for him because he, he pours his life into this. And it's sincere. It's genuine. He's not doing it for money. He's not doing it for likes. He loves you. He wants you to walk in the best, uh, the, the, the fullness of the call of God on your life. And so, you know, after, with the travel and everything, it's a lot. And God's put a grace on his life. And so I honor you, Isaiah. And, Thank you, bro. I, uh, I appreciate that. Watch and watching do too.
0: Thank you, bro. you bro. I'm going to hit you up after this. I love you, bro. Thank you. Love you too. All right. Bye. Take care.